Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Listen anytime you miss a service or want to hear a message again from our Sunday worship services and select special services. Lead Pastor Brian Bauer, as well as guest speakers, will bring messages that will help you encounter God, love people. Join us for virtual service on Facebook Live at Encounter Thrive. Or for those comfortable, we'd love to have you for our in-person services Sundays at 10. To learn about us, what we believe, how to connect, how to give, or how to find us, visit the all-new EncounterThrive.com. And now, here is our message. Morning, guys. How are you? So, if you don't know, today is today is our six-year anniversary as a church. That's right. So we're all going out to eat after. I'm kidding, but uh, I wish that were true. We're in the middle of the Daniel fast, hardest, longest Daniel fast I've ever done in my life. Just man, meat has never looked so good. So. Um, we're so glad you're here today. Uh, six years ago, we launched the Taft School today. So many years, we do a celebration. We call it Thrive Fest. We don't this year uh, because at some point, when you start doing it every year, you know, it just feels weird. And something about celebrating the number six, it just feels weird as a church. So um, next year, though, next year, we'll bring it back. Uh, so we're so glad you're here today because it's, it's a special day. Uh, in that sense of, look what God has done and where he's taken us. If you don't know, in the last year, we had, uh, in the last couple years, I think we've had something like 12 to 14 different locations. And we've seen God grow us at every one and just move in our midst. It's been pretty cool. Uh, and sustain us, too. Just sustain us as a church. I thought COVID, uh, no pun intended, was the death nail of Thrive. I thought, for sure, that's it. We're done. And, and no, just the opposite. God said, no, 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 I'm just getting started. And, and so, and, and it brought a breakthrough. It was pretty cool. But, so, when I was a kid, we're, as we're doing this fast forward series, um, we're talking about making the message go forward. We're fasting and making the message go forward in our lives and in our church. Uh, last week we talked about, can you follow me as I follow Christ? This week, I want to talk about what does that look, what does following Christ look like? Well, it's really summed up in the Great Commission, which we're going to read here in just a second. Uh, when I was a kid, this happened like around the time I was like five or six. We were in uh, Champaign-Urbana area, and I had a great aunt. I don't even remember her name now. What, what's her name? Say it louder. I Doris? No. Huh? Jean? Jean sounds right. I don't know any Doris. <laughs> um, uh, my great aunt Jean, okay? And they lived, and, and we're sitting, we're sitting in, and my, my brothers and my cousins are in a car, in our car, in the driveway, and, uh, and they're hanging out in the car. I don't know why, but they are. And I get in the car, and I'm like five, five, six years old, and, and my brother and my cousin start goading me to take that lever and pull it. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I don't know what a lever does. Uh, but I think making a car go sounds cool. That sounds fun. So I take my hands, I grab the lever, and I pull. There's this thing we have now called safety features, which we didn't have back then. 
things like you have to press the brake in order to move a gear shift. Back then, that wasn't an issue. We didn't worry about things like that, like children moving cars on their own. And sure enough, I remember sitting in the car, pulling the gear, and that began to roll. All of us in the car began to move backwards. And we moved backwards down the driveway, into the street, bang, bang. And I remember all of us screaming, a very special scream. We were unified in that scream of terror. <laughs> Just, oh, what is happening? And uh, thank God no cross traffic came through and hit us and sideswept us. And here was the best part. My parents came running over. My dad, I think, was out there. And, what are you doing? What's going on? And, and got us out of the car and stuff. And the best part was... They got in trouble, and I didn't. That was the best part about it all. Do you want to know why? Because I was five and dumb. But they were older, and they knew bad things would happen. Like, but I yanked that lever, and we rolled into that, uh, out of that driveway. Years later, okay, fast forward, <laughs> fast forward, about 30-some years, Andrew is about three years old. And at one point, he got into our driveway in Madison, got into our van, not sure how. This car has the safety features, but maybe not. Thanks, Toyota. And, and somewhere in there, a neighbor knocks on the door to my wife. Uh, your three-year-old is in the van in the streets. He has pulled the gear shift, rolled it, and we lived on, our driveway was on a hill. He rolled it into the, he rolled, but there's something about it, right? He's fine, obviously. He's right there. He's okay. Uh, we're all, we're all, you're just like, so the Bowers are terrible parents. No, no, no. Um, life happens, all right? Uh, you don't have to call anybody. We're all okay. Life happens. These things happen, right? But there is something in the mind of a boy that thinks, I want to make a car go, right? Most anybody says, like, I want to make it go, well, there's a way we make the message of the gospel go. You know, when we moved back here, Angie and I and our family, we moved back to this region, moved to this region, because at 18 I left, and I really didn't live here again until eight years ago, eight or nine years ago, nine years ago now. But we started Thrive six years ago. We took about a year where we, we basically planned and met as a team before we launched, um, but when we moved back here, in 2004, I'd had a burden in my heart for the south suburbs for no other reason than to plant a church and see God move. But at that point, I was 24, which means I'm 25 now. <laughs> and, and, and I had a burden to see God move. But when we moved back here in 2013, 2014, all the churches I knew in the region we're all struggling and a fraction of what they once were. Now, obviously, we have, we have particularly one big church, but we have several big churches in the area, but the churches I knew and grew up in were dying. And I remember thinking, what happened? The church I grew up in was almost 1,000 people, and, and God was moving, and unsaved people, people who didn't know Jesus, didn't like church, came and got saved all the time. It was rocking. It was awesome. And I moved back here, and I'm like, what's happened? Why? 
Now, I don't know, I don't know why. What I do know is in the Western world, church has struggled, okay? Church is having a tough time. This is, this is not going well. Hey, guys, let's put it on the list. Buy the new mic this week for this week. I'm going to switch it because this thing keeps breaking on me, I think. Yeah, I'm going to go to a handheld today. We good? We're just going to let that drop to the ground. There we go. All right, fantastic. Let's put that on the list, headset mic. This was one of our, actually, this was one of our... Um, this was one of our original gifts. This is one of the things we didn't have to raise money for. Terry had gotten it for us. He got it from another church that they decided to get a better mic. That church, now if you don't know, these are supposed to blend in with your face. You may not notice this because I have a beard, but this does not quite match my skin tone. It's from a little bit of a different church than we are. <laughs> Just do the math. You'll figure it out. Um... And, uh, but we got it for free. Free has caught up with us and it's time for something else. Um, <laughs> uh, six years ago, ah, anniversaries. <laughs> so, um, what was I talking about? Yeah, let's bring it back. All right, makes sense, Brian. So, I had this burden, God wants to move here. But more than that, I, I, I'll just never believe the gospel doesn't still work. That God doesn't still move, that the gospel being preached and proclaimed and his name lifting up doesn't still draw all men back to God and draw them to his heart. That being said, there are churches, there are great churches in our area. But I just believed in a church that said we don't compromise on the message, we, we're passionate about God, and we're not afraid of it. And, and we're not here to beat anybody up either, and we're here to love everybody, but we're going to say what the Bible says. We're not going to apologize for it. We're going to believe in Jesus fully and that he can do anything and that God will move. And guess what? That's happened. <laughs> yeah, come on. Because when you stand and do what Jesus says, stuff happens. It's not complicated. Now, sometimes we make it, well, shouldn't you be 400 people by now and in 27 buildings and 12 campuses across the globe? Paul didn't do that, so I don't feel pressure to, right? That, that didn't happen then, so I don't feel like we, we're going to be who God's called us to be, however long God's called us to be it. And we're going to watch him move. Because the best part of that is you or I don't get the credit, he does. It's cool. I was, I was sharing in prayer, and Kimmy at multiple times has called us the little church that could. You know, like just, we, we just don't quit. I think Dave posted yesterday on Facebook, like um, one of the days we launched. When we closed at COVID, it was like, uh, now what? No. I literally, we put up my phone in my living room and about five people showed up and some people streamed and it was like, this was rough. And Eric called me that week. Do you remember this, Eric? And he's like, um, can I help? <laughs> he's like, please? He's like, and, and even there, he's like, we're going to set up a studio in my basement. I've done Christian TV for a church before. We can do this. And seriously, we looked better online than, than larger churches than us. 
and way better than we should have. Because that spirit of David, that heart for a breakthrough, that spirit that says we can and God will and the message works, rose up in him, rose up in them, rose up in us. And don't get me wrong, we had, especially those early days of COVID where we're all like, um, can I touch this gas tank thing? Can I, can I grab that? We, we felt that. I know they felt it in their home where they're like, how many people do you need on worship team this week, you know? And that's fair. That's fair. And there was one of our guys was coughing up a lung, and we were like, could you maybe stay home this week? Could you not? I don't know what's going on with you. I don't know even what COVID is but um, at this point. But it just felt, and yet God sustained us, and the message went forth. And that's what Matthew, that's what the Great Commission is. It's the last words Jesus says to his church, to his disciples, before he goes into heaven. Matthew 28, starting at verse 16 through 20. So normally they start at verse 19, but I want to talk about something. Verse 16, he says, The eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Then Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teach these new disciples to obey all I've commanded you and given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Okay, so I just want to break this scripture down. If you want to make the gospel go, you want to make God effective in your life, you want to see God move, this is it. Now we're going to talk a little bit next week on what they did next, because they actually didn't do this next. Does anybody know what they did next? They prayed and they waited because Jesus said the Holy Spirit's coming down. So when he comes, then you're going to do this. Wait a second, seek my face, and then power's going to come down, and I want you to go. And do what I just said. But first, okay, it says 11 disciples. Jesus had 12. What happened? Did he lose one? Like, man, where did I put that disciple? What happened to him? He rejected Jesus. You are going to share the gospel with people, and people will reject it. That is not what's wrong with you. Nathan, my son Nathan, who is, is um, just, man, he'll tell any, he'll talk to everybody, okay? He can find serial killers and just become their friends. That's just Nathan. He's just talked to anybody anywhere. And last week we were at the beach, uh, literally like a month ago, we were at the beach with the Pangrass family, and you guys saw it, right? Nathan gave an altar call, and they all knelt and prayed. Like, ten guys he's never met, sitting and praying on the beach, like, I can't do that here. He's doing it on the beach there. And like, what is wrong with you, kid? Like, it's, it's, it's awesome. But then we're at, we're at the beach with somebody else last week. We don't go to that beach that much. It's just they're both beach stories. And we're at the beach, and he walked over and said, hey, can I share my testimony with you? Anybody here done that this week? Just walked up, smiling, and said, can I share my testimony? No, one person, one other person. Good for you, Cass. And the rest of us are like, oh, I can do better. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Me too. And you know what they said? They said to him, no, thanks. We're in a deep conversation. Appreciate it, though, buddy. 
And Nathan just kind of like, oh, <laughs> walked on, but that's going to happen. If Jesus didn't have a 100% success rate, you're not either. Our job is not to get people saved and following Jesus. What did he say? He said, go make disciples, followers. Your job is to go and share and reach. The outcome is up to God. A farmer can work his tail off being an amazing farmer, but he can't make it rain and he can't make the sun shine. We can, we can do our best to make good soil, but we don't really know, do we? How many people have known somebody who had great parents and horrible kids? Don't point, though, okay? Don't be like, that family, they're awful, right? We all know somebody who they had great parents and there's no reason their kids. And that some of you are like, I'm awesome. My parents sucked, right? And some of you are that person. Don't say it again. Don't post about it, all right? So, because you're not always in control. You're just not. It's up to you, it's up to them if they're going to follow Jesus or not. It's up to them. Judas, I think Judas had a pretty good example. Really, I think he was set up for success, right? He was, he was, he was in a place. We have this heresy that we believe that everybody will come to church and follow Jesus if we just do it right. But Jesus told his disciples, if they don't receive you, shake off the dust and go. You know what we say now? You probably didn't do it right. You should read a leadership book and figure out why it wasn't going well. What's wrong with you? Everybody wants Jesus. No, they don't. We all have to come to the place of decision, will I follow him or won't I? Judas made his decision. It did not go well for him. Right? The, verse 17. They worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Do you get that? These people were on the mountain to see the resurrected Jesus, and they worshipped him, and they doubted. That seems messed up. He's right there. The holes are in his hands. He's the resurrect. You saw him die. And here he is. And then, and, and then they're still like, yeah, I don't know. What? What is wrong with you? There he is. Bless you. Just a side note, this is a pretty strong scripture that kind of debunks Calvinism. But anyway, um, <laughs> doubt is a decision God affords for true worshipers. Doubt isn't a sin. It's what we do with doubt. They stood before Jesus himself, resurrected, and they were like, I don't know if this is legit. Man, that is crazy. And here's the thing. You and I have the same choice right now, right here today. The living, resurrected Jesus is here in this room looking at you. 
And you and I have a choice. Is he real or am I going to follow? Or am I going to be like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if this is real. Because you can be argued into it. You can be shown. Judas watched Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead. He watched him heal people. He watched him calm storms. Many of these other people are watching the resurrected living Savior. Nothing. This church is an example of the resurrected Jesus. We, by all rights, I'm nobody. Nobody knows who I am. I didn't come from big ministry, big churches, and I'm not sexy, okay? But God is here, and it's an example that God moves. And you get to make the decision, is this legit or not? Is this because Brian's a good speaker? Is this because the band's really good? Is this because the media team? Is it because, you know, people like gyms? Yeah, we all love worshiping in the gym, right? Just God's presence, the, the fragrance of the Lord. No, that's just the smell left after, right? But, but God is here, and he's in our midst, and he's real. And you and I got to make the choice. Am I in or not? Am I following or am I not? Am I going to be a follower? Am I going to be a disciple? It's actually why we stay disciples. We become disciples of Jesus. Verse 18, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus has conquered death. And at this point, if he's conquered death, what else can defeat him? Nothing's left. There are no more opponents. This message, this gospel, this savior, this Jesus, this kingdom, it can't lose. Because every battle it's fought, it's won and now it's over. Jesus said it on the cross. It is finished. Done. If you're like, man, I'm just defeated then you are, you've removed your mind, your heart, and your space from being in Christ. Because all Jesus can do is win. Now, it doesn't always look like winning to us. Calvary at the moment, the cross of Jesus Christ at the moment looked like loss. But just wait, because Sunday's coming. Just wait. Disciples stay with Jesus through it all, knowing victory is here and on the way because Jesus just doesn't lose. If you go to the grave swinging for the gospel, one day or another, you will see the victory of the Lord. You will see God do it. You will see the breakthrough. You will see God show up in power. The problem with the American church is we have no concept of resilience and perseverance. We don't hold on. We don't bear and grit and say, I believe. Matter of fact, most of us, we aren't willing to wait a few years, let alone go to the grave that way. You know what we're good at? Quitting. Finding new things that are big and attractive. Look at that. Ooh, it's new. I love things that are new. We all do. But man, what about the one who says, no, I'm with you to the very end. And if 
this message, it just can't lose. It can be rejected, but it cannot lose. I've shared this story before, but there was a Sunday school teacher. He worked for years as a Sunday school teacher. And he, he, had, he had a group of young boys, and he poured everything into them, and he would offer the gospel to them, and, and, uh, and, and, and it seemed like it changed none of them. And after all these years, he thought, what a waste of time. What a waste of my life, having been the Sunday school teacher pouring into these kids and offering them Jesus. But one of those little boys accepted Christ in his group. Never told him. He didn't know about it. Didn't raise his hand that day when he prayed the prayer. And that little boy's name was Billy Graham. Billy Graham shook the earth for the gospel of Jesus Christ. That Sunday school, what if he would have quit? If you don't know who Billy Graham is, look it up. He's pretty cool. And then he says, go and make disciples. Here's what it doesn't say. Go and make converts. A disciple is a student or follower. Some people who've been in church a long time think, well, being discipled is for when you're a new Christian. So you don't need to be a student and follower of Jesus anymore? No, this is for life. Day one, you become a disciple, and you stay it till the day you die. I'm a follower of Jesus. See, in Jesus' time, a disciple was somebody who was identified with the teacher. There were sayings like, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi because you follow so closely behind him. A disciple was, I soak up everything you say, I record it, I write it down, I listen to it, I'm in on it, I want to hear it, I want to be associated with you, identified with you. I want to hear what you have to say anytime, anywhere. I want to be there in the best and worst. I want to be, when, when the crowds are sent away, I want to still be there and with you. See, we're the other way now. We're people who are like, if the crowds are there, God must be there. But the closest ones to Jesus were the ones who, when the crowds went away, they sat and ate with him. They slept near him. They went up the mountain with him, and they, they saw Jesus, right? There were thousands that followed him. And then there were like 500 who were committed followers. Then there were like 120 that were like the closest ones. And then there were the 12 disciples he handpicks. And out of those 12, there were three that he considered his best friends and the closest ones to him. Peter, James, and John. They went up the mountain with him and saw him on the Mount of Transfiguration where Jesus becomes his true spiritual self in all his glory. And Elijah and Moses show up. See, disciples actually aren't the many. It's usually the few who say, I am with you. And Jesus said, go and make disciples. Go and make people who want to be close to me and know me and hear from me and be there when the doors are open and be the ones who close them at the end of the day. I want to hear from you. I want to be close to you. 
I'm so jealous of my oldest son, Colin, right now. He's back at our alma mater, my, my wife and I's alma mater, a place called Christ for the Nations Institute. And every day at 8 o'clock, they worship. And they worship for 45 minutes every day, Monday through Friday. And many days, my wife and I stream it. You can stream it every day. And just because he's there and we feel like we're connected to him as he's there. But, man, I remember that season of my life. You're just in God's presence every morning at 8 a.m. And I don't know if you know this, but at 19, you don't always feel spiritual at 8 a.m. Matter of fact, you feel possessed. You know, just awful. But day after day, you begin to train yourself. Hey, flesh, body, get in line with the things of God and the things of the Spirit because we're here to worship. You begin to teach and train yourself. It's not about me. This day belongs to the Lord. It's about him, and I'm going to lift him up. We begin to be disciples, followers, saying, Jesus, I am with you. I want to see Thrive be a church that is great at making disciples. Not followers, not attendees. That's cool. That's great. But there's a difference between showing up and growing up. There's a difference between being a fan and a follower. Man, on the right day, with the right, I am not a Cubs fan. And when they won the World Series, I was like, good for you. <laughs> I'm a South Side kid. Okay? I'm a Sox guy. If you're Cubs, I'm not the anti Cubs guy. I'm not that guy. Okay? I never have been. Okay? But I'm an anti Packers guy. Amen? Amen. All God's people said, Amen. And those who are struggling said, No. But, uh,. Lord, that's why you're here, to be a disciple. So, <laughs> Bears first opening game today, it's not going to be good. I have no faith, none at all. But, but I was like, all right, good for you, because it's easy to go where the crowds go. It was neat, right, for a moment, but it didn't make me a Cubs fan. It didn't make me a Cubs follower. I just for a moment, I was with the crowd saying, good for you. Now, I'm not a heretic. I didn't buy any gear. But <laughs> I just, I'm a South Side kid. It's a long story. But to be a disciple of Jesus says, I'm with you when the crowds aren't. When nobody shows up, Lord, I am with you. And when everybody shows up, Lord, I am with you. What if we became a people and I think, we're, I think we're all right at it. But I want to move from all right to great as a people who make disciples. When somebody's new, we, we make sure, hey, I want to know you. I care about your life. Not just that you're here. If you're here, God cares about you and so do I. When somebody's been gone for weeks, it's not on the pastor, it's on the people of God to say, I'm going to find them. I'm going to go to where they are, and I'm going to pursue them. I know, like, for a fact how he does that. He's told me multiple times. I haven't seen him, so I just showed up at where they work. How many of us can say that? Are we disciple makers? 
Are we saying, I want you to follow Jesus and know him? I want you to be so hungry for his word and his presence, you can't get enough of it. To to want to worship him. To hear his voice on a daily basis. Did, Did you know God wants to speak to you every day? And not just through a good song on Christian radio? That's a good way. There's nothing wrong with that. That's great. But what if there's more? What if God wants to move you out of defeat into victory and advancing his kingdom daily? I think he does. And that doesn't mean we don't have bad seasons. Of course we do. And then what is it then to be a disciple? Verse 20, teaching them to obey all I've commanded you. What we've done, I need like, I need like six or seven people. Can I just, just walk up? Just come on up. I'm not going to make you do anything super weird. Relax. You don't have to eat anything. Seven, just come on up. Come on. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. You can keep coming. Yeah, come. A, a few more is all right. It's not going to hurt anything. Okay, how many people remember the telephone game? All right, so I need you guys to get shoulder to shoulder here for me for a minute, okay? Shoulder to shoulder. So we're going to start with telephone game. Now, here's, 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 the, here's how the game goes if you didn't have a childhood, okay? <laughs> is is you, tell it, you tell it to one person, you whisper it in their ear, and then they have to pass it down to the end. But I, I'm going to start, and I'm going to start. I'm going to start on this end, and I'm going to whisper. You can only say it once. You can't repeat it. So you get as close as you can get, and then you got to take it down the line. Okay. So I'm going to pass it on to Eric, and we're going to see how it comes out on the other end. Okay. Now, again, don't make sure you're listening closely. Keep going, okay? We don't want to interrupt them or throw them off in any way, okay? Okay. Go ahead and take and talk amongst yourselves if you need to. You guys are really taking your time. Let's keep it moving here, okay? I've, I'm supposed to be within a time frame here. All right. <laughs> I think it's turned. <laughs> Okay. Last one. Here we go. All right, Jenny, what do you got? Thrive Church is the best church, and today's our sixth anniversary. Yeah, that, you're only half right. <laughs> so the, the statement was, Thrive Church is the best church on the planet, and there's no better church than Thrive Church. So somebody somewhere along the way just made something up. All right, go ahead and sit down. Excellent job. Thank you guys so much. So you're half right. and it, But this is what we've done in the church with following Jesus as disciples 
We've taken parts of it, and then we made the rest up as we went along because we weren't comfortable or didn't understand that this meant following with everything I've got. That I'll go where you go, I'll say what you say, I'll do what you want to do. That we aren't going to do bait and switches. Like, we're just going to say what the Bible says. We, our banners aren't up. They broke, though. So they'll be up soon because we're going to order new ones that are basically our core values. One of those is biblical. You're like, well, what do you think on LGBTQ issues? Well, I think the Bible says God ordained sex between a man and a woman within marriage, and that's his institution. He's the one who made it up, and that's what we got to follow. But we'll love everybody right where they're at. But we also know Jesus loves us too much to leave us right where we are. And calls us to follow him. He doesn't call us to heterosexuality. He calls us to holy sexuality. So my eyes are for my wife and my wife alone, period. Well, what, what do you guys think about smoking pot? I think intoxication is bad for the soul because the Bible says it and ends up in sin most of the time. Well, is sin because the Bible says intoxication is sin. It's not a bait and switch. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. I take issue with that. Okay, you take issue with Jesus. We think abortion's murder, but not because we're on the right. I don't, I don't care for the right or the left anymore. I care for Jesus and his kingdom and his kingdom alone. That's who we belong to. I believe he's the author of life, not us. And so life belongs to him, and he decides what we do with it. Do I think there are mitigating circumstances that need to be talked out with every single individual? Yeah, but that's the beauty. Because he's an infinite God, he decides individually, but we don't decide to take life. We just don't. But do you have to agree with that to follow Jesus? Not right away, but eventually you will. Eventually you're going to be confronted. But you know what? He also confronts me on gluttony. And dealing with that in my life and how that can be sin. That's also a sin. Yep. And Lord, work that out in me. Deliver me from that. He also deals with me in, in sin of greed. We also think greed's a sin. But the best part is we all believe every sin was dealt with at the cross of Jesus Christ. And you can be saved and delivered from it and walk in freedom from it. And, be, and, and, and following Jesus is the best thing ever. We're not going to lie to you. So you're like, at least they're telling us the truth of what they think. We think racism is a horrific sin. We also think using it to manipulate people is a sin. We think the only person who deserves total authority over all people is Jesus. He's God, and we follow him with our whole lives. So like, for example... Some people didn't like us as a church when we said, you know, the Bible commands us to gather and worship. So when other churches wouldn't open, hey, man, that's between them and the Lord. But as for us, we're going to follow the Lord, and it's time to go. It's time to gather and lift up his name because we need God in 2020 more than we ever have. So we did because that's what the Bible said to do. Not because we're here to defy government, but at some point it became a decision well, now I've got to choose what does God want or what does the government want. Well, sorry, government, I'm going with God. 
I'm not doing it with a, with a flip you off attitude towards the government. No. I'm just saying, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just a disciple of Jesus Christ. That's who I'm with. That I'm going to be with him. If that lands me in trouble, hey, I'm with him. That's okay. I'm with you, Jesus. I follow you. I love you. You're my everything. There's been multiple times in marriage. Did I want to leave? Yeah, sometimes I did. Because it's hard. Marriage is hard, right? But you know why I didn't? That day, I did not feel like, because I'm so in love with her. No, that day, I did not feel so in love with her. And I'm sure many days, probably more than me, she's felt the exact same way. And you know what? But on that day, I love Jesus more. And I made a covenant, so I ain't going anywhere. Till my feelings get in line. You know what? They always do. They eventually follow. See, feelings are great servants, but the terrible masters. The Spirit of God is the best leader. Sometimes your feelings are right in line with the Spirit of God, and sometimes they're like the Antichrist, and don't listen to them. <laughs> they're lying. Follow the Spirit of God in your life. Follow Jesus. You know, he gave us the Spirit of God so that we might follow him better and make his name known across the earth. And that's the decision we all have to make. Am I going to be a follower? Not a fan. Not an attendee. Not a, well, I'm pretty devout. Good. But do you know him? Does he know you? Does he know your name? Right a few weeks ago, Ted, I think it was Ted, one of them used the scripture from Acts. You know, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but you I've never known. From the seven sons of Sceva in the New Testament, demons attacked him, beat him up. See, because they, they, were, they knew the name, but they didn't know the one who carried the name. Some of you have been at church your whole life. You've been confirmed. You were baptized. You were this, that, and the other. But you don't know Jesus, and he doesn't know you. You're not a follower. You're a fan. But the best part is it's pretty easy. It's just saying, yeah, Jesus, I want to follow. I want to be with you. I want to be your follower. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. We hope this message spoke to you and helped you grow in your knowledge of and love for God. Visit us online anytime at EncounterThrive.com and reach out with questions, prayer requests, or comments. We hope to see you for our in-person services in Lockport, Illinois, Sundays at 10.
your grace.